Oh, come on. What do you mean, roll video? We're killing ourselves out here, and you can't be ready. So we play mood music? I'm not working this way again, ever. This is absolutely horrible. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. Okay, welcome to the Cinema Underground. We're back from an extended break, and we're good. We're refreshed, feeling feeling new, feeling free. We got myself here, Pat Corgan. We have Jeff Brandon. We have Andy Davis, and we have Hello. Mark Kitchen. We are still on Slapstick. We got Slapstick Part 2 happening today. We got my pick and Mark's pick. My pick being the pink flipping panther, right? And Mark's pick being those magnificent men in their flying machines. The Pink Panther is from 1963, directed by Blake Edwards, screenplay by Maurice Ricklin and Blake Edwards. And The Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines is directed by Ben Anakin. Yeah, like Anakin Ken Skywalker. Ken Anakin. Ben, uh, did I say Ben? Yeah, you did. I meant to say Ken. Ken Anakin and written by Jack Davies and Ken Anakin again. Shout out to Ron Goodwin for the score. Scoring mm-hmm. it up with Ron Goodwin. Gotta love that song. You shake it up. There you go. up did up up Oh, yeah. And down did down down in their place. Up. Down, planes. flying around, They're moving around. It's like the Blobs theme song. <laughs> it is sort it of. Slips and moves under the door. What is it? Jeff, I know you know. Across the, the wall r- and all around the, the door, the splotch, the glotch. Mm-hmm. No. Beware of the, <laughs> the blob. blob. Written by Doctor Demento. <laughs> Something like that. Great, great. How did you know I would know that? Oh, because I've heard you sing it before, and I know you know the Blob, the original Blob, not the remake. You sing it all the time. Jeff, you're always singing the Blob theme song, of course. And yes, the theme Don't song for... Don't make great jokes about me. <laughs> Listen to a weight joke. Come on, man. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the song from those magnificent men and their flying machines was infectious to say the least. But which uh, movie do we want to talk about first here? Do we have a choice? Do we have a preference? The order I have put my notes in is Pink Panther, then Magnificent Men, but it could go either way. Well, I have Let's the Pink Panther... That open in front of me. Okay, well, let's start with the Pink Panther then. So, Pink Panther, 1963, directed by Blake Edwards. Screenplay by Maurice Ricklin and Blake Edwards. Music by Henry Mancini. Before we go any further, I just have a couple things about William Blake Crump, a.k.a. Blake Edwards. Actually, I think William Blake Crump, uh, or at least Blake Crump, is a better name than Blake Edwards. I like Blake Crump, especially for a director of uh, slapsticky movies, right? But he, that's the thing. He didn't only direct slapstick with his slappy stick. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he crumped it up. He crumped it up with that flapping stick. So yeah, Edwards began his career in the 1940s as an actor, but he soon began writing screenplays and radio scripts before turning to producing and directing in television and films. His best-known films include Breakfast of Tiffany's, based on the Truman Capote novel, which was supposed to be like, you got, you got Breakfast of Tiffany's and you got flipping In Cold Blood there. You know, they oppose each other. You have Days of Wine and Roses, another good movie, or... Uh, you got ten. I've never. Oh, ten. Uh, yeah, I think it's the one with Dudley Moore, and he finds a pretty lady, and they do pretty stuff. Victor slash Victoria. Don't know what that is, but it kind of is giving me the Glenn Glenda vibe, which is just the title there, and he, the hugely successful Pink Panther film series with British actor Peter Sellers. Often thought of as a primarily a director of comedies, he also directed several genres, or sorry, dramas, musical, and detective films. Late in his career, he transitioned to writing, producing, and directing the theater 
And here's the last bit about Edwards. Edwards is best known for directing most of the comedy film series The Pink Panther, the majority of the installments starring Peter Sellers as the inept Inspector Clouseau. The relationship between the director and the lead actor was considered a fruitful yet complicated one, with many disagreements during production at various times in their film relationship. He more than once swore off Sellers. So, no more Sellers, but he kept keeping back. Can't keep him out. As too hard to direct. However, in his later years, he admitted that working with Sellers was often irresistible. So that starts my first sort of thing here. I think that this relationship might have come from this original first Pink Panther movie, unless he'd done earlier ones with them. I don't know. But I think Peter Sellers endeared his character Clouseau to the audience, and, and I think the character was supposed to be the kind of hapless antagonist of the movie. So I could see where Edwards would get frustrated with that. Since mm-hmm. he's trying to make one movie, I mean, he couldn't foresee the success of the series with, you know, Inspector Clouseau as the centerpiece. So right, at the time, it, was... it might have been frustrating, but even after that, that might have started the tumultuous relationship, the ball of, of difficulty rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Edwards really wanted this to be sort of a, a showcase for Niven's acting. Right. You know, rather than Peter Sellers. But apparently, they enjoyed working with each other so much during this particular film right. that... Yeah, the thing about Nivens, though, it's like, I mean, he's supposed to be the attractive Brit man, British man, he's sexy, but I didn't really like him very much. And I think that was, you know, I'm, uh, as a character, it's like I liked him as an actor, as a presence, I liked him, but the character himself, I was, you know, as a questionable guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, he's banging Clouseau's wife. That's not a nice thing to do to Clouseau. But I guess if you put it in the context of you got, you got Diamond Thiefy Man leaving cards and then you got the opposing police officer that's kind of ideal uh you're banging his wife you got one up on him right from the get-go the wife was supposed to be ava gardner it was supposed to be ava gardner so who ended up playing the Uh, wife it's uh it's a one word cappuccini 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 mocatini so yeah cappuccini that's like prince or something she's like one name right she was like uh i think she was she was like some sort of uh Mm Lady of the Night, sort of, a little bit. Yeah. It almost seemed like there was like this... Fashion model. Right, okay. It hmm. seemed like with Simone's character, Simone Clouseau and Inspector Clouseau, it seemed like there was like a... It seemed like this came from somewhere else. I mean, this is the first in the installment, but it seemed like there was this... We were supposed to understand... Right. ...that their They're relationship dynamic. wasn't good, or... i trying to picture the situation in which she married Clouseau. I mean, apparently they've been married for like 30... Not 30 years, could have been 10 years it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the dynamic is. I mean, the whole movie he's trying to sleep with her, and she's, and she seems willing, but like situations conspire to make it impossible, and she, uh, she seems relieved. At oh, that. it's cold. Your feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Stradivarius. The lights on. Mm-hmm. Did they do a show first, or I is don't this know. like the very first of I it? I think this I was think the this, first. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not like any other Pink Panther right. I've ever seen. It's not like. Uh, where it's right. like it's all about Inspector yeah. Clouseau, pretty it's, much. This is an ensemble piece. This is mm-hmm. very much and it's much more typical. It's an earlier thing too, but yeah, it's not as uh, driven by the Inspector Clouseau character. And but honestly, I think the thing is, I mean, you feel bad for Clouseau in this movie that he's getting slept around on, and then ultimately in the ending, I, I mean, like he gets totally fucked over. He gets mm-hmm. sent to prison. Yeah, and I think probably, I mean. I don't know how much I actually felt that way, as much as I saw how people would feel that way. And a lot of people did feel that way, and that's why they changed it up and made him the protagonist for the subsequent 
film in the series. And the fact that it was a series at all was because people loved the Clouseau character so much. Not to say that there wasn't a lot of excellent things happening in this movie. Just in general, there were. They're just... All the acting was great. All the characters mm-hmm. were great. Sellers apparently uh, lost a lot of weight. He was apparently what? a little tubber, tubby. Oh, was he tubby? Yeah, he wanted to compare himself to the... Um, Blob? No. No, 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 no. He wanted to be like... Uh, look like Robert Wagner okay. as a comparison. And apparently he took a lot of weight loss pills. And right after... You could do that back then. Right, you could do that back then. And right after they finished filming, he had his first of 15 heart attacks. Okay, oh, damn, will do it. Yeah, this is... Uh, he eventually died in the 80s from... Okay. A series in the 80s, movies. he was doing really well, too. I mean, he had Being There, one of the later Hal Ashby films. It's a great movie. It's based off of a Jersey Kaczynski novel. It's, he plays this uh, semi-autistic, retard, or no, semi-retarded autistic man. It seems like there's a mixture of disorders going on here. And basically, he watches so much television that when he finally wanders off into the world after his keeper dies... He just starts mimicking things he sees on TV and ends up getting turned. Ends up becoming like, uh, like prime minister. Like just because everyone just, everyone sees what they want to in him, and mm-hmm. it's a sort of comedy of errors on a massive scale. So, hmm. yeah. So this movie didn't seem as slapstick as other Pink well, Panther things. I think earlier slapstick movies don't. Yeah, I think it gets more crazy as it goes along. Well, I mean because. I mean, Inspector Clouseau is like the is like the slapstick. Yeah, he's a slapstick element for sure. So, and then when the movies like start to focus on him more, then the movies become more yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, really? No, he falls down. He's tying his shoe and like misses the mm-hmm. the swinging bucket trap or whatever. Right. You know. Well, I think <laughs> insert trap here. And <laughs> yeah, in the earlier slapstick movies, they're not. Uh, well, I mean, slapstick just progresses to whacker and whacker until it becomes physically impossible. Until you get to like the, uh, we well, have the Zucker brothers and you had the other guy who split from the Zucker brothers after Naked Gun and started making you got Hot Shots and uh, Hot Shots Part Two, obviously, and it's, uh, Mafia and the, and the lesser known slapstick where you know you got like weird skin stretching and cartoon references and it's just totally off the wall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this isn't quite like that. But it's physical comedy, which is where slapstick starts, you know. And it's got the ensemble thing, like uh, what movie? Uh, you know, the 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 phony. First of all, most slapstick movies have an element of parody to them. One other one that Peter Sellers and Woody Allen were in was the James Bond Casino Royale. So that's I think I don't know which came first, but I think this has a similar format as it takes place at a resort, which is a good. There's a modern movie that's like this, too. I can't remember what it's called, and I'll look into it later, but there's a, some popular movie just came out that used the, all these tropes, the hotel and the goofy things, but in, and the violence was escalated, but I'll have to look into it. But at any rate, this is a typical format to have. You have a hotel, you have several good actors all converging, and in this case, I think it just is a little hard to tell who we're supposed to be focused on at what time, or if we're supposed to be focused on someone at what time. You're thinking of Out Cold. Mm-hmm. Out Cold? I'm not thinking of Out Cold. <laughs> but that was a very slapsticky, fun vehicle for Zach Galifianakis earlier in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course. So you got David just, yeah. Niven. I thought you meant you felt cold because the, the movie was chaotic and it was set in the Alps. No, no, no I was just, cold. Uh, 
You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, it's kind of like that. You know, they're up at the ski resort. Speaking of the connection between cartoons, which I just mentioned because of the later uh, the Zucker character, Jim Abrams, the uh, the cartoon at the beginning of this movie was uh, by Frizz Freeling and David H. DePatty. David H. DePatty, not that I know if that's how you say his name, that might be. But anyway, Frizz Freeling I know because of Looney Tunes. I mean, yeah, Frizz Freeling, Bob Clampett, Chuck Jones, and Tex Avery. Those are the key Looney Tunes players. And they also help further slapstick. It's a, it's almost the exact same light light carded comedy, you know. Big mallets and physical. Yeah. So it makes sense to actually include a Frizz Freeling type cartoon in the beginning of the movie, and it actually became a cartoon later. That I yeah. don't know. I think Hanna Barbera had something to do with the later cartoon, and I, mean, I doubt Freeling did. But I watched it when I was like younger. Me too. That's what I thought Pink yeah. Panther was. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I thought it was too. Was and my movies. grandmother was like, "Let's watch Pink Panther." I was like, "Well, okay." Well, what the I... hell is this? <laughs> right. I mean, you have the okay, backstory. Some of the cartoon, different. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's literally about a Pink Panther and a little Inspector Man modeled after Clouseau, and but there's no Pink Panther the Diamond, which is the plot of the movie, driving the movie at the Diamond with the imperfection of the jumping Panther in the Diamond. Right, and you know it's going to be fucked up because they're presenting it to the Sultan and immediately tell him that there's an imperfection in the gems. So like, why would oh, you yeah. even tell a Sultan? Well, that? I th I think it's assumed that there's always going to be. With a gem of that size, there will invariably be in there for perfection. I think what the appeal of this gem is... It's so small, and it looks it's like so a small fucking panther. It looks cool, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. There's going to be an imperfection. For the imperfection to have its own level of perfection and intrigue, that's the whole other thing. It's cool. So you have other characters there, too, that we should definitely point out that they exist. You have the princess. Is that Sarah Miles? Patricia Rollins? Played by... Wait, so you have... That could be wrong on this. I'm trying to figure out who the princess was. So you Don't have you the actress. It. You have Sarah Milnes and Patricia Ramsley. Was that the... Yeah, I don't know why she... Oh, I'm her. trying to straighten my shit out here. Am I looking at the wrong movie? I am. Okay, good. I'm looking at those, the Magnificent Men. Okay, so... So the wife is... Okay, Simone Clouseau is Capuchine. Uh, Brenda DeBanzi, Angela Dunning. That's not... No. Um, where is she on here? She's low in the totem pole on the IMDb here. Uh, what the fuck? Oh, Claud oh okay, Claudia Cardinal as the princess. Pretty sure wow, she's gave her way name down. She's waiting. She, she was like had some of the most most, uh, most airtime screen time. Yeah. Screen time. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah. She was so the IMDb. Uh, very IMDb, charming. IMDb. Um, they order the cast like by searches. Mm. So if it's a more popular actor, they'll be higher to the top. Not like mm -hmm. it's, oh. it's not like um, their algorithm. Right. It's not like <laughs> b listed by appearance. Mm -hmm. Right. Was did this have the typical older movie format of in the beginning they have the credits and they play some of the songs throughout? I don't remember that part, but I do remember the in, in toward, towards the introduction you have the meanwhile in Hollywood scene, which seems kind of weirdly out of place and kind of funny in itself. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that as a title because right now you got Quentin Tarantino's making Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I'm I want to make a movie called Meanwhile in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they did do a lot of the credits during the the Pink Panther cartoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was and that was a really cool introduction. 
I wonder how many movies had such a had a cartoon introduction, or you don't you just don't you don't even see that today very much. It's it was a novel idea. It was definitely smart to bring in Fritz Freeling because he's the king of cartoons. Him and the others, Clampett and Tex Avery, and with that killer cats. killer Chuck the Jones song in the beginning as well. Oh, that great song, the Pink Panther song. Such a great song. You got all the tropes. I mean, obviously it's a parody. You got all of them. You got the goon squad and trench coats and black hats. You got the uh, the cat burglars, the jewels, princess. You got the detective. And the kidnapping plot that never seems to really transpire. They could do kidnap the dog. Maybe that's what I was thinking. That's what it mm-hmm. was. The kidnap yeah. tomorrow card he got. Mm-hmm. And what was the idea? What was the name of the, uh, of the, what was his name? Uh, the, what? Hold on. One second, do the Sir Charles. I like that. He's a he's a fucking knight. Sir Charles mm-hmm. Lighton's character, or Sir Charles Lighton. What mm-hmm. was his What was his uh his cat burglar name? Do you remember? Oh, uh, the, he wasn't the oh, he wasn't the Pink Panther. No, was, he uh, would leave a card, and he was called something cool. The glove or something like that. The glove. Oh, or he already was left a glove. Yeah, no, the glove it, is left. The, the Phantom. Phantom. The fans, <laughs> yes, and he leaves a glove behind, which is just very sexy, and there's something almost erotic about it, because it's been on his hand, and the sweat, and he slides it off, and he slips it there, and he's like, I use this to rob you. It's almost like leaving the condom behind, like in the classic Jay-Z Nas feud, where the condom was left on the baby seat, at least that's what the song says. It's very disturbing. I remember hearing that. It's very disturbing. There's a rap battle between these two gentlemen, Nas and Jay-Z. So Jay-Z dated Nas's baby's mama mm-hmm. and he in his song he said something about leaving the condom on the baby seat hmm. it's very insulting to not it's very insulting i don't remember what, how i got there but the glove the glove and oj oj you mm-hmm. got the oj glove you know blood bloody glove oj glove doesn't fit you must have quit oh that's why oj did it mm-hmm. he was a pink panther fan he would love the pink peter panther. sellers fan oj connection to uh slapstick he's a uh, naked gun mm-hmm Nike's in the Naked Gun. He actually does a very good job in that. He's he should have f- just stuck with that. He should have, instead of murdering his uh, wife. Allegedly. Ah, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> Nicole Brown Simpson. And Cato... If I, they, if they're, they made a movie about it starring uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. as mm-hmm. O.J. Yep. Why wasn't it from Cato Kalin's perspective? That's the only perspective <laughs> I want. I loved watching the case. I loved his testimony. Because <laughs> he kept talking about McDonald's and shit. And he's such a like, loser. He's like, living in their back like pool house or something. He's like a classic sitcom. He's like Kramer. He's, he's like, like Kramer not understanding crew. very straightforward questions. Yes, yes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were pissed. Um, you know, like OJ's family was like pissed about that movie. The, were they? What was what happened in the movie? Though, so I didn't watch all. Well, of I mean, part of it. was it wasn't it a miniseries or was it a movie? It was a movie. Okay. Um, I mean, it was, called it was the kind Juice of biased. Loose. It was kind of biased towards towards what? Towards uh, yeah. Towards OJ. He killed him. Oh, yeah. it was biased towards him being the killer. Yeah. Well. Because everyone believes that he killed her. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you you know, you could make a movie in which... It, I mean, how are you going to make a movie that's unbiased? That's such a boring movie. you got to go one way or the other. You either have to have him being innocent and you're proving that, or, you know... I mean, he is a human being, but it's not... You know, I don't know. 
the whole movie could be He's in that 20 minute car up. chase it's just, just oh my god his head. yeah that would have been a great at least first half of the movie just just the car chase and america reacting and kato kalen presumably masturbating in the pool house or whatever it was he does eating mcdonald's yeah. turn into a sitcom yeah turn into a sitcom. <laughs> kato it's like get out of here kato so here your wife's uh banging this dude could you stop stop kato you have to bring it up every day could you be away from the pool house at these times <laughs> yeah flipping kato that's what I call it. Flippin' King. Right, he's like the Clouseau of that fucking he, uh, ordeal. Well, I think, sort of. I well, think OJ was really. the Clouseau, and that's why he lost his shit. <laughs> but, yeah. So you got the, the cuckold plot in the background, which I just, you know, you, I just felt a little bad for Clouseau, because I love Sellers. I'm saying, don't, don't do that to Sellers. Just break it off. Right, but the Phantom was but like totally fa- trying to mack it on the princess. Too. Oh. Right. That was a beautiful scene as well. The, the, the macking when, scene, it was kind of plopped in the middle. It was kind of weird. I mean, almost every like scene got her drunk and she was yeah. chilling on it's the bear. She's like, head. oh, I've never been drunk before. And the bear, I think Jeff mentioned that the bear being the centerpiece of that scene, the whole scene flows around the uh, bear, r- bear, the ridiculous polar bear, bear rug. skin rug. Polar bear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, crazy. If only a princess would have the polar bear rug. But that was not in her room, though. That no. was in uh, Sir, whatever, Gutwin's room. But it was still a good scene, and her talking to the bear, and the drinks, the champagne flowing, and her saying, oh, I don't drink. It's like, yeah. And what's his, his nephew there? Oh, yeah, the nephew uh, character. Who's like... George. He's like... Georgie to, boy. Who's trying to mack it on all the girls, but they're right. like, eh, ah, now we want your uncle. I mean... Really. Yeah. And speaking of, if we're going to go to the opposite type of scene... You have the comedic scene of the hiding of the men in the room. You have George and Sir Lighten then trying to get them out of there, and Charles. him pulling out the Stradivarius, breaking the Stradivarius and stuff, which was humorous. Because like, could a detective really afford a fucking Stradivarius at this time? Maybe I don't know. Well, he was apparently one of the best detectors in France. That's he, true. He's the best detective. Oh, that's in why. France. That's not, probably not, why. Uh, she married him it was like a right. plot to like find okay, out okay but was. 10 years that's the long kind that's deep that's a plot to what to find what to uh, just like marry Clouseau so that yeah. the phantom knows exactly yeah. where the police force is looking if the phantom is that good you gotta hand it to mm. him cause that's a, that's deep yeah that's cause deep I mean bad. he's just using and the he's bitch he's really. using her it's obvious right and when he's the, for the princess I mean he's using her too but there's some chemistry there too not to say that Lighten, there's no chemistry between uh, Lighten and uh, Simone. There is that, too. Yeah. But he's just a very charismatic fella. There's that early scene where at the dinner table with Lighten and the princess where she's kind of, like, calling him out, saying, like, mm-hmm. oh, you sleep around to prove you are a man because you don't have no penis. And, so like... You have no kids? Or, yeah, you have no kids. So how do we know you even have a penis? But, you know, he does have one. Yeah. It's around. <laughs> it's around. And yeah, that was just a beautifully, beautifully shot and beautifully acted scene. Very good. There are weird transitions between sing scenes. Was this cunnilingus violin gag? I wrote that down that it existed, but I don't remember exactly what the context was. Hmm. I think there was a cunnilingus reference. Oh, was that when he broke the fucking right thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was, they just directly. I mean, he's going under the covers mm-hmm. and there's all that. It's some sexual stuff. I mean, it's earlier. 60s, right? This is what, 61? I can't remember. 63. 63 still. You don't really get straight up nudity in movies until 69. We just watched The Wild Bunch. That was one of the first Hollywood movies to feature nudity, and they have that sex scene in the wine. 
mm-hmm. which is very erotic. If you haven't seen the Wild Bunch, you gotta see the Wild Bunch. It's great. Sam Peckinpah. Sex scene in the wine. There's like yeah, they're all just these dirty big men. vat of wine. Big yes. vat of wine. It's the wine vat. Yeah, they're just banging two ladies up in it. The like nasty something brothers. Nasty subjugates. boys. Nasty boys. Very good movie. Very. You can see Tarantino. I mean. For sure, because of the overt violence and the relationships with the criminals and their banter and just, like, their solidarity and just the different types of men and how they connect. It's a very good movie. Not what we're talking about, but a very good movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You have scenes with sellers that are not funny. Do you really, though? I guess they, I guess I felt like in this movie there was... It's weird because slapstick nowadays is ob- obligated to be funny 100% of the time. Like, this, you don't... It's right. not as necessary. You can have a dramatic scene in there, and it doesn't feel out of place. And now I've seen it done in movies. Now you see it done more in, like, the kiddie kind of slapsticky movies. But those are more kind of mashups of, like, a kid's movie these days is just a mashup of whatever they can get their hands on. But in a genuine slapstick movie, which, by the way, is there any genuine slapstick movies these days? I think Other this, than, like, oh, the remake of The not Pink today, Panther? I, I don't mean, think. The most recent one I saw, I mean, obviously there were the spoof movies, scary movie. The best by far being Wet Hot American Summer. That was perfect. But, that said, I mean, you couldn't have slipped. The, the comedy was so insular and tight. You could not have slipped a dramatic scene in there. It would have made zero, zero sense. Right. I sort of liked the... the the overtly sort of slapsticky versus the, you know, sort of dramatic and serious points of this movie. I mm-hmm. think they did it very seamlessly. They and, did. You know, some of the, you know, everything, the sets and the costumes and, like, what they were doing, you know, mm-hmm. skiing and having fun and shit, really sort of lended itself right. to that, to its believableness, yeah. which I thought it made was, the humor much better. Yeah. There's just a lot put into the plot of this movie, to the point of it being a little confusing, but if you're spoofing detective movies, I mean, that's typical of any detective movie, is a confusingly complicated, overcomplicated plot with some holes that happens. But here, you have, like, the initial thing with George, which doesn't really get sorted out until later, that he's faking his graduation photo to send over to Sir Lighton so he can mm-hmm. show up and, sh- uh, excuse me, swindle him to some degree. So that was interesting. I didn't even know what was going on there. And later, yeah, kind of. he was like, right. And then we huh. realized George knew he was the yeah, and he it, was the Phantom. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't pre. I mean, and this movie was cool. About this movie, they're not presupposing that the audience is stupid. Like they're like, you know, they don't put it together for you. They just they give you the information visually, and you put it together, which you used to be able to do much more often than you are today in a Hollywood movie, especially like a lighthearted comedy. They're not they're not expecting you to put anything together these days. They'll lay it all out, lay it all out in the line. So other, yeah, just just trying to think, still trying to think of other modern examples of slapstick beyond, like, the last few Jim Abrams movies, like Mafia, Rat Race was a shitty movie with Bean. Anything with Bean, I mean, British have their own brand of slapstick, which is great, but often cheesy. I mean, you got Blackadder, you got Monty Python. You could obvious. almost argue that. If this for, is a British right. As well, so that makes sense that it, has, it does have that British, uh, that zaniness. Whereas the American version of that is far more crass, I would say. Because with this, I mean, not too far later, say 10 years, you get Kentucky Fried Movie with the Zucker Brothers, and it's mostly tits and, uh, tits and ra- racial jokes, which is, you know, I mean, you, I mean certainly still in this chance, movie. So. 
But what's that? The racial jokes are still they're, in oh, this they're movie. there. They were. I mean, you. I mean, I think it wasn't Sellers who played Charlie Chan, or no, that was somebody else. But he might have played a ver- he, definitely one of the Pink Panthers. He ends up playing some ridiculous Asian uh, stereotype, which is actually pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? But right, making there. fun of the British, making fun of the French oh, all throughout this movie. Oh, it was yeah. great. The Brits were always good at making fun of their national character. I think we were a little slow on that. We were, like, doing it unintentionally for a while. And, like, cause, you know, but Kentucky Fried Movie would be a very good example of what the American slapstick had to say about American culture. I mean, you have B movies they're talking about, like, Catholic schoolgirls in trouble. Kung Fu movies, which, I mean, obviously they're Chinese, but they end up getting moved over to America once Hollywood gets wind of it. And they're like, oh, these movies are making money. We'll make Enter the Dragon, you know? And Fistful of Yen from... Kentucky Fried movie is making fun of Enter the Dragon slash Fistful of Dollars. So there is that. But yeah, of course, this movie is not that focused on Clouseau. So I guess yeah, you it was it was the audience that was focused on Clouseau. I mean, he's hilarious. It's Sellers, man. Sellers is just great. Think about Doctor Strangelove. He was supposed to play like. 12 more characters, and by 12 I mean like three, more characters in Dr. Strangelove. You know how he plays the uh, he plays the psychotic ex-Nazi, which is funny because obviously we were like bringing the Nazis into our things, Project Paperclip and all that. So it was accurate, factually. And you have he plays the uh, president, of course. He also plays the other guy working with that general who's obsessed with not letting his semen get out because it's his <laughs> essence. Which is also, obviously, the whole movie doctrines of his essence for masculinity and bombs and semen. is like, you know, bombing a country is like dropping a huge load on it. That's a lot of what that movie's saying. <laughs> but it's also a great example of slapstick, Doctor Strange. Let me see your face. Boom. Boom. Facialed. It's just, like, super disrespectful. You're just saying because it's, like, super disrespectful to bomb people. Uh, yeah. It's not the best. It's not the best way to go about it. Maybe send a letter first and see how that works out. But yeah. And, okay. Back to the movie. Back to the scenes, the funny scenes. You got the ridiculous night costumes. The costume scene at the end in general is just very You know who designed a lot of the costumes? Who? And it was in their first movie. It was their first movie debut for their costumes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Yves Saint Laurent. Because this was their first film debut for making costumes. Which is a high-end front. And uh, it went on to be... Right. A huge high-end fashion line. Mm. Yeah. Well, they did awesome, especially the scene. I mean, the entire party scene is great, obviously, mm-hmm. but in particular, the scene where they're zipping around that roundabout back and forth constantly with mm-hmm. like ape costumes, and there's just that one guy who's just kind of watching from the sidelines. Yeah, that was that took place in Italy, right? Didn't this take place yeah. in Italy? Am I confused on that? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The Italian Alps is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Something like that. The ski scenes were great. I mean, they got some nice skiers in this movie. I don't know how. I mean, their form's all right. Well, it was pretty good. Sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, the the gorilla costume, the thing. double gorilla suit. I don't know if you've had, Saint Laurent made the gorilla costumes <laughs> or not, but those were some but great like, gorilla costumes. There's got to be so many fucking slapstick movies that use that gorilla costume thing. It's almost a trope in itself. Mm-hmm. It's like, it oh, the gorilla costume. Like I'm thinking, like uh, the movie. 
What movie? Yeah, that the one. Gr- okay. Um, movie. Trading Cash. Places. Trading Places. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's definitely more. Righto. Mm-hmm. That's the one that comes to mind. You're definitely. This is very right. Benny Hill. That whole ending scene mm-hmm. with the gorilla costumes and everything. Yeah. Nice jaunty music playing in the background. Also, I just want to get to this. I want. I don't really understand exactly why the princess agreed to frame Clouseau because she ends up losing her her diamond in the process. Or presumably, she she the, the reason she wants to fake fake the theft is because she wants to keep it because there's an uprising in her country, which is a fake Arab country. I forget the name of. Right. But it's very much like a Latveria type of deal. But, yeah, why would she do that? How did she really like the Phantom that much? Seemed like it. She it seemed like she must have. That's the only explanation is that she was willing to give up her property in the future in order to oh. save the Phantom and frame Clouseau. Yeah. Right, because uh, she was going to get insurance money for it. It was fully insured. But that's the thing. She was, yeah, she was, she was going to, mm-hmm. and she was going to get to keep it. But now, this way, she doesn't get the insurance money, and then eventually it'll get taken back by the people because they're claiming it's theirs. Right. Yeah, but at least... It belongs to the At least the innocent phantom. Yeah, at least the innocent help. phantom, who is a, a genuine robber, doesn't have to go to prison, and instead the detective who did his due diligence and caught him mm-hmm. has to go to prison. I mean, his wife, like, sets them up, too. Yeah, they all the they princess all, and they're all like basically like, hey, Phantom. So what do you, what do you need to us to do just to make you happy? What can we do for you, Phantom? Phantoms, yo. And you know, like, if they had actually asked him, I'm sure he would have just been like, nah, it's cool. I'll just, I'm caught. Yeah, <laughs> he's powerful. He's a powerful, magnetic. But they didn't. They're just like, this is what he needs because we can't live without him mm-hmm. they're willing to share him too yeah yeah he's just that potent and and george is just like yeah fuck all right come along for the ride mm-hmm. yeah it's like i don't get any of the girls what the fuck yeah they all want phantom except simone and george i mean there was like a slight obviously she was trying to get away from him after the initial mistake incident where he ends up she ends up in his bed because she's going to the phantom's bed mm-hmm but you know, they still bond, had bonding moments, especially on the on the slopes there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll end up together. You never know. And maybe the princess will end up with Phantom. And ultimately, none of them will end up with anybody because it doesn't seem like that's where this we know is going that from future movies. Right, and there's future movies, which I don't, I don't remember the future movies well enough to say if I don't know if the Phantom ever becomes an issue again or if he shows up again. I think it's just mainly Clouseau and the Pink Panther. The, mm-hmm. the diamond keeps showing up. The rose-colored diamond. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pink. Pink. Pink, pink. pink rose-colored. But you call it rose. You know, it's a rose stone. They call it a rose... Like, it would be rose quartz if it was pink quartz, but it's a diamond, so I don't know why you call it. But yeah. It's a fucked-up diamond. It's, it's ruined. Mm-hmm. It's ruined. It's like a thousand... Is that what a blood diamond is? Blood diamond. No. No. <laughs> no. Could be. Let me get that blood diamond. Maybe in a couple million years, with some pressure and some heat. Mm-hmm. Now you can. Now you can make. Now they can make diamonds in laboratories, and, it's, mm-hmm. and you know that's uh, that's taking some of the pressure off. So blood diamonds are becoming less of a thing because of that. And mm-hmm. They can also make meat in laboratories. They can they grow meat now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Vegan meat, baby. Mm, it's vegan because kinda. it's not. You have to kill right, an animal to get it. There's no sentient. There's just no growing the, yeah. the cells. I mean, yeah. they, they're clearly vegans are fine with eating cells. They eat plants. It's just cells, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. right? Oh, anyway, man. that reminds me though. Have you guys ever seen? Br- okay, so you got David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, made a movie called Antiviral. Obviously, viral being a reference to celebrity culture, but the celebrity culture in this movie is about. There's the main character. He sells colds or that have passed through the uh, the bodies of celebrities, and people are willing to inject themselves with whatever illness, short of like HIV and real illnesses, like a cold or like a flu or something. They'll get it. They'll extract from celebrity, celebrity, clone it, and then inject it into people. Which is like at the point of cloning it, isn't it just like every other cold? Like it's just mm-hmm. the cold. But people want the particular illness that celebrities had, but it gets weirder because our main character also injects himself with these colds, which you find out later he doesn't actually need to do. He could have just stolen them. He's doing that for his own personal celebrity culture thing. But And they he sells them to a lab where they grow those cells and then sell them as meat to people who then eat the celebrity flesh, so like literal celebrity skin. And also, it's just the celebrity culture where, like, they're constantly under surveillance. It's like they use X-ray cameras to, like, check on, like, uh, the butthole shape of, like... Like, they make a comment about someone's rectum as they're, like, passing by. Like, oh, her rectum's looking a little rough. Well, that movie lost... Very good movie. That movie lost $2.9 million. What movie did Antiviral? That's surprising. It was a great movie. I mean, I'm not surprised that tons of people didn't love it, but it was awesome. It looks great. And, I mean, I don't know if Brandon Cronenberg has done anything recently, but, I mean, it's Canada, too. Like, that, it's completely different. I mean, they have, like, a, they have, it's like England there. They have, like, oh, a film lottery. It's less about making money there. Cronen- Cronenberg money. Is a, Brandon Cronenberg is a little Cronenberg out himself looking. Mm-hmm. You have been Cronenberg, body hoard. It's a very interesting take on his father's, on the genre his father helped create, which is body hoards definitely a level up it's a very interesting movie antiviral body horror would be a great genre for this podcast to cover which also i'd like to make an announcement now we have a blog we have a tumblr that we're using as a blog that you can go and read things that we've written about movies or whatever and that's just a tumblr let me just make sure i got the right address on that it's on our facebook page you can get to it and it's tumblr not the cinemaundergroundpodcast.tumblr.com I believe it is pretty straightforward you go on there I wrote a bit about Detective Pikachu which I just saw really tying it into the lineage of detective films from mm. from uh, the golden age of Hollywood and on to the postmodern detective film of Inherent Vice and where it stands today and yeah so you can read that there and whatever else gets put there yep that's the cinemaundergroundpodcast.tumblr.com in your face and of course yeah while we're there we're always on soundcloud and everything else stitcher apple stuff podcast all that we're in your we're in your <laughs> face we're in your face check it out you're gonna love it you love this you're gonna love that you're gonna love it all why doesn't apple have like some sort of service called applesauce i don't know sauce it up Sauce it'd be like fucking uh, some beer delivery service <laughs> get soused Applesauce. Applesauce. I drink a whiskey drink. I drink, I drink a vodka, vodka drink. drink. I drink a little other drink. I, I drink a cider drink. drink. I have a lot of drinks. I like all the drinks. 
cider drink. Okay. I think that's it for uh, Pink Panther. We've uh, addressed everything that we could possibly want to address, unless there's something else we want to add. Any other scenes we forgot to? Oh, <laughs> there is a scene I forgot to acknowledge, but did you have one first, Mark? No, this doesn't work. I was just going to end it off with just like humming the song. Oh, we'll do that next. But that excellent musical number. <laughs> I love that. I don't know who that woman was, but she was gorgeous. That Italian oh, song. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think that's, like, a thing. They have a musical number in the middle. A lot of times, just awkward and out of place. This one just... They're just kind of, like, work, showcasing a, yeah. a musician. Just like, oh, hey, yeah. there's this person. Yeah, and it was great. It was very well done, and everyone was dancing, even Clouseau. And you have the conga lines and the switching partners and the, like banter still going on as this is all going on that was great i don't even know who that woman the singer was but let me see if she comes up on the imdb here it's difficult that's her name no that's hot it's a cool stage name yeah it's complicated i think it might be mary wells mary wells monica <laughs> fawn mary wells i think i might have been a Wait, Mary Wells, Monica, okay, as Mary Wells, that's her, oh, they mis- they spelled her name differently for the credits. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't wait, really say. I think it might be down here in these uh, other things. Yeah, hotel manager, inspector, chasing Simone, hotel manager, waiter, no, she's not there. She's gotta be somewhere. She's mm-hmm. very nice singing. Might be Mary Wells. I don't know, but it was a great scene. Just very well shot, very well done could have been bad i feel like we watched something recently that had a musical number that wasn't good (sighs) but okay so yeah mark if you want to hum us out uh, with the Okay, so we will continue with those magnificent men in their flying machines. I go up directed by Ken Anakin. What a great name. Ken Anakin. Anakin. Skyfucker. Um, yeah, so I actually read a lot about this movie, like about the um the planes they used and shit. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were like pretty significantly accurate. Like accurate flying Right. Uh, replicas and um, some of them were not flying <laughs> replicas. <laughs> uh, and then there was the backwards one. Mm-hmm. I don't think that one flew. Right. Well, this immediately made me think it was those old video, old movies or old timey movies of the planes crashing, all the different flying machines. You ever seen those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm sure they. I mean, they were. They might. I'm sure they looked at those as part of the inspiration for this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of uh, them some, were some also of the in weird the credits. Ones. Some of the weird ones were like the the actual pr- things, the proto helicopters and shit yeah, like that, mm-hmm. flying kite and thing. Okay, so the movie starts with that uh, that history of flight with uh, Red Skeleton. Red Skeleton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like the caveman, and then mm-hmm. like then he's in like Rome and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the caveman. You know, he just starts flapping his arms. Mm-hmm. Jumps off a cliff and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like a modern dance move. Do they feature Leonardo da Vinci? I don't remember that. Mm, I don't think so. They have some of his contraptions, right? The, 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 like the helicopter the things thing. were were some of Leonardo's designs. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like some of his designs. Right. I think it was called something screw. 
or yeah, ornithopter. Ornithopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. This is definitely my favorite movie. Yeah. Of this, of this. Yeah, song. it was fucking great. I loved it. I wasn't yeah. all that crazy about it. So to me, it wasn't that funny. There was a lot to unpack. It was very interesting to me. But I didn't ever. I never laughed once. What? The Germans and the French me. and that's just like right, too, the overt racism was, right. was, was I thought was the overt was, slapstick is just not funny. I don't know. It just wasn't silly to me. It wasn't. I mean, it was silly, but it wasn't funny to me. It just didn't get my. Didn't make me laugh. But I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I just didn't think it was very funny. I don't know if I laughed, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot there for sure. Like, I mean, for instance, I think I called my notes a study of the national caricature because I think that's what this movie is. And I think that flying machine men are inherently like caricatures because they are they're crazy, you know, they're the craziest members of their whatever respective national character and this makes them perfect fodder for slapstick. Like think about it, like you know, you got like crazy flying machine dudes. That's just which I think I, I do have authority to talk about because I had the same birthday as the Red Baron. I know that's not a good one. But I'm also I'm also <laughs> distantly related to Wrongway Corrigan, who is a who is who was a um a pilot who they see the truth the thing is is that like they call him wrong way corrigan because he flew to england when he's supposed to fly to france to um actually i think he was no he's supposed to fly to the west coast of america and then he went the wrong way the joke is wrong way corrigan but what actually happened was he wasn't allowed he didn't have clearance to fly to england so he mapped out a flight path to go to california and when he arrived Mm -hmm. in england he said oh i guess i must have went the wrong way hence the name wrong way corrigan which was then used later in uh gilligan's island so hmm very nice. So there's that. So, yeah, I also want to start by stating that the flying machine is a phallic symbol in this movie, for sure. I will explain throughout for the skeptical, but it is a surprisingly randy movie, if you pay attention, although the need to keep the subtext subtle is ultimately what makes this movie unfunny for me, because they can't really push it, but mm. they do definitely go there. It right. does get close several times by exploiting the typical slapstick tropes established up to this point, but perhaps that's a little too close for my taste. Well, you know what I thought was weird? The, um, the, like, the evil guy that was trying to sabotage everybody and his little henchman. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So he's, like, his henchman is, like, hauling his fucking plane back, and the guy just, like, stops and walks back and, like, mm-hmm. whips him and, mm-hmm. like, gets yeah. some pleasure out of it and then, like, uh, goes and walks back and just, like, he was a creepy this guy. Weird, Mas- uh, or sadist, sadist guy. And Emilio Ponticelli. But no, no, that guy. You guys remember those no? those cartoons no. about those race? You guys remember those race cartoons? Like they're all like about a race. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah there was a character punches. who looked just like him. I feel like he must have been based on him. Oh, okay. And one of them there was, and he was like he wore the pilot outfit, but he was racing a car, and he like had a dog with him. I think you're, you're it was essentially of- the same. Thing. He yeah. of like Rocky and Bullwinkle. No, I'm not. It, no, there, there was, was a, a show based. It was always a race. There was every episode a race. was a race. Yeah, no, I was gonna bring that up. Oh, okay. Speed Racer. Seems very similar. No. Right. No, I don't remember the name. Speed Racer, but no, no, it's like a. No, they're like they're racing in cars, but it's like it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Yes, it was a Hanna Barbera. I think. Okay, it's I know what you're fucking talking about. The old timey, old time cartoon about. Racing? What's well, not? It's probably speak up. Speed race would be the wacky races. Maybe could have been yeah, it. Yeah. Mutley. Mutley was the character, and Mutley was the like the 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 one who gets abused by the character who's like that guy. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You see the character. It's very. Similar. Lord Ronsley was the. Yeah, asshole. yeah. He was a uh, mm-hmm. some sort of yeah. nobility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wacky races. That's what it's called. Hmm. For sure. Yeah, and they might have even gotten it from there. So, yeah. 
Balloons uh, and Blunderbust. Balloons and Blunderbust. But I do like the Gilliam-esque intro. Like Terry Gilliam style almost. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very Definitely. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and it's very much in the old like epic slapstick style. Like it has an intermission and everything. It's like it's a mad, 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 mad world. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a yeah. lot like that. It's uh, And you have Richard the, the prick, the British guy, the, the handsome British guy, you know? Mm-hmm. He's uptight, aristocratic, society person, and yeah. So then you have the father who's also something like that, and they're both trying to control the girl, who is like she wants to be like she wants to do manly things, you know. But society She's says a don't do that. He won't take her up in the plane because I think that's a metaphor for he won't take her virginity because because of her father's wishes. They, they call it taking her up. But I think the thing is, I think it's like a double standard because the men are allowed to go up. Because I think it's saying is the men are allowed to sleep around with whores, but not with like these society women. But she, but the American man doesn't know that, mm-hmm. so he's willing to take her up. He's, like, I'll take you up, no big deal. Yeah. Pop that cherry, don't worry about it. We do it all the time in America. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We don't wear our uh, fant- uh, fa- what are those hats called? Uh, Fantasteries, uh, fant- right. fant- uh, fantas. Yeah, he's a Yankee brute, and he wants to deflower her. Course. It's not horrible, is it? It is. It horrible. is horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his name's horrible. Yeah. So, but the yeah, the British men can fly, aka sleep with hussies, but not with respectable uh, society women. They want to marry. The same society makes their women susceptible to the uncouth yank, not schooled in the ways of society. They are lonely brutes, and from yeah, they're from the prairie, and they use mating to free uh, free mating out in the open, like by raping Indian women, things like that. But, yeah, he's just a typical American classic caricature. He's a, a prairie dude. He's a cowboy. John Wayne type. He's John Wayne type. He's slow. He's, like, quiet. Like, he's, you know, he's soft-spoken. He knows his machine. He knows his machine, right? Okay. Yeah, and then you got the Germans who are just totally ha- hapless, which historically <laughs> isn't accurate, but probably based off of World War II, where they became uh, they became a national caricature of themselves. That happened, yeah. right? Uh, the uh, the Russians are oddly missing in this movie. Ah, uh, yeah, hmm. I don't remember seeing any. Russians don't fly. I do remember these weird scenes <laughs> where, like, he's got a better flying machine than you have, and it really feels like he's saying he's, he's got a better dick than you. And there's a lot, and there's also where he says where he tells the the woman, uh, the Richard tells the I forget her name, the woman, the the flapper. Mm-hmm. He tells her to help her grease the undercarriage. Mm-hmm. Oh baby, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like this. A lot of uh, sexual innuendo, pitting the Americans against the uh, proper Brits. And not just that, but uh, the French versus the Italians. You know, the French were making fun of the... Because the Italian guy brought, like, his whole fucking family with him. Mm -hmm. The French were making fun of the Germans. That's true. Well, that was was the scene. The diving scene. That was silly. But, I mean, like, every morning, like, the Germans would, like, come out at the same time and raise their flag and play their song, and the French would come out and make, like, a mockery of it. They're like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. they play their song louder and... Yeah. And sillier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then challenging them to balloons and blunderbuss. Mm-hmm. Balloons and blunderbuss. Yeah. For sure. But... Like I mentioned earlier about the, uh, I think that the British, I mean, this is a British-made film, I think that the British at this point were better at caricaturing themselves than perhaps the Americans would be, and I think that's because it's just societally, that's where they were at. You know, they've mm-hmm. been around long enough to know what the national character was and how to make fun of it properly, and 
you know, high, I mean, so there's the, like their society, their politeness and their silliness and their challenging people to duels and so forth. And the not in the you're like let's duel American way, like in the like I demand satisfaction sort of way. You know? Plan it out. Here's the time. Here's the date. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, yeah. So if you think back to that time period, the 60s, I mean, you had people like Noam Chomsky being very cr- critical of, like, American foreign policy and stuff. But, I mean, generally, I mean, we were pretty young nation still, and we weren't really aware of what our national character was to other countries, I don't think. I mean, it's clear now. I mean, even now, we're, I mean, we're seen as, like, cowboys, interventionalists, douchebags, you know. But not, we, I don't think we knew so much Bullies about it back a little then. Bit. Bullies, sure. But the Brits know what they are, and it reminds me of a novel, The Quiet Man by Graham Greene, which the plot of the novel is that the Brit, it's Vietnam, the Brit, the British guy knows why they're in Vietnam, but the American guy is also, he's very propagandized, and he's like, we're here to, to save them from the communists, and shit, and it's just like, no. And the British guy doesn't even want to, and they also, they fight over a girl, similarly in The Quiet Man, and she's a beautiful Vietnamese jewel, but she's kind of a whore, and the British guy knows that, and he's cool with it, and he smokes opium with her and stuff. And the American guy's like, "I'm gonna just Captain Sabo." Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that here too. I mean, this, this girl, this this, uh, this British lady, she wants to party. She wants to party hardy. Yeah. She wants to fly. She wants to go up in that machine. But they're not letting her do it because they're trying to arrange a marriage with Richard and everything, which does, which weirdly ends up working out in the end, right? She ends up with Richard. Right, it's like a wife-sharing thing, isn't it? Well, no, it's just like they, they've decided Richard is the one who she's going to marry, the, the father has, because he's like, you know, he's a good society guy, and it works. I don't know, the families match up. It's there. No, I think she ended up with the American guy. No, she didn't. And Richard no, was didn't. cool with it. She ended up with the, with the British guy. Yeah, she ended up with the British guy. Yeah, and no, the American was cool with it because like he, he learned to respect the British guy in his proper ways, you know. I think this is definitely a very, like, hmm. British people are smarter than Americans. Americans, Americans have this, this br- brute character, but other than that, it almost seems like they're like, America's not going to last much longer, which is insane to say in the 60s. But, like, he, this <laughs> carry, what, I mean, it wasn't like America was dying, but this character, this American character, like, he was, like, this... A caveman. Like a dying character. He's very, like... Old-fashioned yeah. type. Yeah. Not with the times. Of course, the times was... I mean, uh, but think about it yeah. now. The next step for us would be to like, as the British did, post celebrate World War One. Right. Right. No, this pre World War One. Yeah. No, this, Two, no, even, no, I think. this was 1910s. Oh, right? this was 1910. Okay, so yeah. yeah. So okay. So Never this is before we bailed them all out. <laughs> yeah. From those dirty, dirty, methodical German types. Those Germans. But I did. I do think it's funny. That I do think that now, even especially right now, I think we're getting to the point where we're starting to celebrate our national character, even our national caricature, in the same way that the Brits have done mm-hmm. with the age of Trump. We're celebrating it. We're saying, "Hey, this is us, baby. We're brutes." I mean, we're doing a little bit of George Bush. He's a cowboy, you know. But yeah, we're getting we're getting to that point where we're starting to revel in it a little bit. Which I don't know if I'm comfortable with, but hmm. the Brits seem to be doing it at this point in history too. With this movie, they're like celebrating their properness, which is a drag. They're a drag. They're a drag. Yeah, just I don't like it. And they and they and they fucking in the end, Richard gets the girl. I don't like that. Richard's not cool. He wins the race too. He wins the race too. But he only because the, like, the American stops to save right. the Italian right. guy. There is that. You had to give him something. So. 
while the movie takes place pre-World War One, the movie was filmed post-World War Two. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows that the Americans... Yeah, so I mean, I think that's why... like, yeah, they didn't win, they just saved... They just came in and saved everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Sure, wow. I mean, yeah, it was definitely informed by the... This movie was informed by the current... Situation. Paradigm. Current, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the way that the, the caricature of the Germans... I mean, that comes from... I mean, they were seen as a very methodical and, you know, intense people and... Then you have they, World War One, they certainly and are. they seem like this is like asshole antagonists, and you have World War Two, and it becomes far worse, you know. And we can kind of characterize them because they became a caricature of themselves. But I was I was thinking about the the Germans in this movie, so they were pre World War One. Um, but I was th- I was thinking like post World War One is when they had like the Kaiser. Right, Wilhelm and stuff, but right. that's kind these of what were, they were modeled these, after. Right, these were Prussian. Prussian, yeah, 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 okay. with their spiky, yeah, they have the spiky, yeah, which, which, which pierces the uh, balloon at one point. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, not terribly effective spike hats. Not at least not if you're flying. <laughs> I don't want the right effect for you. Expected to like running right. Like, I will down. fly the plane. This is fucking reading the book. Mm. Yes, yeah, so that is step like, one. Sit down. That is uh, the perfect sort of caricature, I think, of this sort of time period. Step one, sit down. Mm-hmm. Slapstick. Slapsticky. Slapstickiness. Mm-hmm. Also, well, more of the slapstickiness was, was sort of like the fights between Richard and, and Orville. Yeah. You know, it's like they were both throwing like these wussy, these wussy, wussy little one. punches yeah. and but, stuff. Well, Orville just says the one. The thing about Orville is Orville. He doesn't. He doesn't play by the rules. He just throws a punch. Like, right. He's like, "Oh, there's a fight. Punched. You're punched. That's it." I mean, it's expected by all the other people that they have to get in the right positions and get ready for Put the fight. Put on their glove or take, take off your jacket, off. roll up your sleeves. He's not wasting time. He's Put up your dukes. And then. Put up your dukes. Put up your dukies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put them up. Sucker punching. Yeah. Um, but then. But Richard gets him back and sucker punches him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Sort of. They so after after they come down from the flight when they fly back. Mm-hmm. Everybody's chasing him. Yeah. Punches him then. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't dig this movie all that much. It didn't excite me all that much. But it was fun to watch. Beyond it wasn't like like Pink Panther. Like I laughed out loud. Several times, because it was funny to me. This was like, oh, they're being slapsticky. They're being silly. So it was the opposite for me. Like, really? I, I didn't think Pink Panther was huh. that good. I didn't uh. like it. I mean, I loved like later Pink Panther movies. Right. See, but yeah, even this first one actually made me laugh, and I thought scenes were funny. But this one was just too like, I don't know, just too like, oh, just, <laughs> just like, oh, we're being silly. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. I don't know if I laughed in Pink Panther. I definitely did. I remember laughing at it. I know for a fact I didn't laugh at this one. Because I watched it the first time I got like halfway through it, and I was like, I don't want to watch this right now. And I watched it again today, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. There's like all this like funny phallic humor going on under the radar a little bit. There's the thing going on between Orville and Richard, which is interesting because there's like the cl- he's like the classic American. He's a caricature, and so is Richard. Richard's a caricature. The Japanese the guy, for sure. They're all caricatures. Yeah. Everyone's a character. It's the national caricature. That's this movie. It's just like all 
caricatures fighting, but it makes sense because they're flying men, and flying men are fucking crazy. They're the craziest of the bunch. I mean, this was a new technology then. Right. Only weirdos were like, only eccentrics were going to fly planes, which was true for decades. I mean, think of like Howard Hughes. He's like an aviator. He's crazy. He like lives alone and puts his pee in jars in a hotel. He's probably dead now though, right? Yeah. He died at some point. Yeah. But before he died, <laughs> he would store his pee in jars and he would, he had, he had uh, written instructions for but how to cook But that was probably just so he didn't have to like go anywhere and he well, yeah, keep working on stuff it's right? true but he also had severe ocd and yeah. like he sent them a written letter of how to prepare a soup they had to put it before they even opened it they had to put it under a hot water in the sink and rotate it a certain way in a certain amount of times he had problems and they explored that a little bit in the aviator the movie where he starts freaking out about the wave of the future it's like it's the wave of the future it's the wave of the future he gets stuck in loops and shit my grandmother dated his son or went on a date with his son oh how did it go um, she went home alone. Oh. Like, she went to a party at their house. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, left eventually. What was she Howard Hughes' son's name? I don't know. John Hughes. That's the answer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess she, <laughs> she just wasn't digging it, so she, like, left and took a mm-hmm. bus home. Was he, like, all pompous because his dad was Howard Hughes or something, maybe? Probably. Yeah. Could be. This makes sense. Yeah. Howard Hughes would have fit well in this movie. He's she was also engaged when she met my grandfather. Oh, shit. And he was like, what's up with that? And she's like, oh, don't worry. I'm giving it back. Mm-hmm. Give him Brutal. the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were getting engaged probably more often back then, too. Like, yeah. I love you. Take this ring. Okay. Now we can fuck. No, uh, yeah. I'm not feeling it. Almost. Anymore. Yeah. You had, to, like, you had to do a lot to fuck back then. At least on the books. Well, yeah, on the, on the books, you know, and that's that's like in this movie, like it's like you have if you're going to be if it's like going to you know presumably if you're going to get married at some point then you have to wait for that point. Not that people did. I don't know that they did. In the movies, certainly they did, because it was suspect, uh, sus- you know, expected in society. And so you up until that point you sleep with whores. Yeah, which is fine if you're a man. But if you're a woman, floozies. You're a floozy if you get that. If you get that D. Right. If you get that V filled with that D. But, yeah, it was like any woman that would sleep with you outside of marriage was a whore. Yeah, exactly. Even if they were just floozy. Which I think that, well, I, I, I haven't even really said her name yet because I don't remember what it is. The British lady woman? Probably Patricia? Margaret. Patricia. Patricia, yeah. 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 Um, Patricia wants it so bad. Which is because of the people, the men she's around. They're trying to, to keep her down, man. She's just trying to go up in the air, trying to go up in that plane with Richard, and then Richard won't do it, so she's got to go to Orville. Life will Are find you a fighting way. over me? Yeah, that was a funny scene. Actually. <laughs> yeah. It's like, she's all excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fighting over me? Oh, joy. Yeah, she was a fun character. I think she was one of the characters that kept my interest. Throughout the movie, I mean, Richard is a bit tedious. I'd had about, I'd had enough of Richard almost immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Orville is just too fucking dumb to like enjoy. He's just such like a all right, man, buddy. Mm-hmm. Just like okay, that's enough of you. The only character I can really appreciate is Patricia. So Red Skeleton was Red Skeleton. Why do you keep saying skeleton? 
Skeleton. Red skeleton. Just red skeleton. Yeah. No E. That's what I'm saying. You're saying, you're saying skeleton. I'm not. You, 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 I'm did, you did. fucking literally Mark. trying not to say skeleton. Uh, Mark, we, you not know. Not saying skeleton. You, you're aware we're saying skeleton. You are aware we're recording this. Yeah. So I can play it back. Okay. Okay. We'll deal with it then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking real pissed about this. Look, my face is fucking red. angry. Because I'm literally trying not to say skeleton. Because that's how I say skeleton. And I'm saying red skeleton. Now you are. <laughs> hey, I don't remember what I was saying. Okay. No, he so, was the fucking yeah. Red Skeleton fire guy. is one of the comedic people in this movie. It sort of sounded like skeleton, but I could tell you. <laughs> oh I could tell you were trying not to say it like skeleton. That's the whole point. That's all. Like I understood what was he was saying. Red Skeleton, famous comedian. It's hard not to make it sound like that, though. No, it's not. You say Red Skeleton. Yeah, you still, it was like this weird oh, little... Oh, that sounded like skeleton, Pat. No, it didn't. It like sounded little, like you said skeleton. Sort of. No, it didn't. Sometimes I haven't recorded it. Like I can check it. I know it didn't. All right, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Too late. You're involved. Okay. So, was there anyone else besides Red Skeleton who was in this movie and was a famous comedic actor? Um, I, I am not sure. Benny Hill is in the fucking movie. He's Fire Chief Perkins. Benny Hill. There you go. And that's the only other one I recognize. Huh. Oh, yeah. How about James... Well, James Fox. James Fox plays Richard, Richard, of course. But he doesn't strike me as a comedic actor. So this is one of those movies that's supposed to be an ensemble piece in epic, so you would expect that there would be every single British comedic actor you can imagine. But there's not that. The German man is Goldfinger. Is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool, yeah. But that's not really a comedy. Is he really German? He, that guy uh, was in yes. a lot of fucking <laughs> shit. He was in a lot of movies. Oh, fuck. Yeah, he was. Das Gesetz des Clans. Das Gesetz des Clans? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The little vampire from TBC. Wait, what's his name? The the, the German. This Gert Froh. German. Gert Froh. Gert B. Froh. What is that from? You guys have heard this, right? Gert Beef Robe? No. Somebody uses it's like in a movie, somebody uses it as their like fake name, Gert Beef Robe. It's going to bother me now. Yeah. Okay. So is that it for those magnificent men and their flying machines for today? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. For me anyways. Okay. Well, that's all I have in my notes. It's all about penises, planes being like penises, and the uh, the national caricature. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really like this movie. I like. So I? I really well, I'm not gonna say I really liked it. I would have. I would have not watched it if I could have gotten away. with it. I also really appreciated the intermission. I, yeah, that was strange. Yeah, almost, something in you a don't... comedy, it's like, do you, do you need an intermission? I mean, like, I could see in, like, it's like uh, the fucking, like, Lawrence of Arabia is three hours long. So without the intermission, I mean, how long was this movie? Is it two and a half, maybe? Two. Mm-hmm. Two and a half, three? These long, three. these long comedies for me feel tedious. Like, I don't want to sit through a three-hour 25 hours and 11 minutes. 25 hours? No, I'm kidding. It's two hours At and least 18 minutes. Two, what was it? Two hours and three minutes? Mm-hmm. And there was a fucking intermission? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
At this time period, they weren't having intermissions in movies unless they were intended to be seen as an epic, like Lawrence of Arabia. Cleopatra. They did the same thing, and it's a mad, 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 mad world. There's an intermission in that. That one's long, though. It's just, yeah, that's much longer. They're There's t- an intermission in um, Gladiator. In the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe? Mm-hmm. That seems unnecessary. There, another one? What? There was. Really? I don't remember there being one. I'm sure there could have been. There's well, not a lot of intermissions in modern movies, in but... The Hateful Eight. Did Hateful Eight for sure had an intermission. I didn't see no, it in theaters. See it in theaters. There but usually you include it in the. I mean, I probably only seen it on TV, so that's probably why. Or at least where I saw it, there was an intermission. Yeah, I mean, possible the the theater was like, we're just going to interject an intermission in this. Hmm. But that would seem weird to me. I mean, they, they didn't do that in like Titanic and shit. That was a long no. movie. It's just because it's considered to be over. The intermission thing is done. Yeah. I, mean, I think it was considered to be over by the time they did it in uh, Florence Arabia. I mean, I would appreciate that, you know, so I can, like, take a piss. Yeah, exactly. That's you the know? point. It's, right. bo- it's functional. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to go to the lobby, and sometimes during the intermissions before, they weren't, like, set up in this way, like, sit through the intermission and, and bask in it. Like, they were set up in a way, like, they played the Let's All Go to the Lobby song, you know? Yeah. Let's all Get go a to drink, the lobby, smoke a cigarette. Have ourselves a drink. And when I saw Detective Pikachu yesterday... I was remembering how when I was my son's age, six, my dad would leave me in the theater alone when he went to go have a cigarette. Which is weird. I wouldn't do that. Who knows? Because you got the exit over there. Somebody could just snatch him up and take him out the exit. People didn't think about things like that back then, though. At all. I mean, I walked in. I said I was going to run away and live in the park, and I got halfway down the block before my bike flipped, and I, like, smashed my nose. (laughs) But if I hadn't have done that, I would have just went and lived in the park until somebody came and got me. I was allowed to do that. It's different. It's not. A, I mean, people say it's a different time, but it's not a different time. There were rapers then too. It's just a different mindset. You know what I mean? Well, there was no intermission in Detective Pikachu, as no. you might have imagined. <laughs> Fucking idiots. We wanted out. No, it was okay. Detective Pikachu, man. Not bad. Not bad. As far as uh, less funny, it was it was to me it was better than a Pokemon movie would have been because I don't want to see a Pokemon movie. What intrigued me about it was it was so clearly an effort to not make a Pokemon movie. Like they're like, oh, how about if it's not a it's a Pokemon movie that's so not a Pokemon movie. It's the detective Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, voiced by Ryan Reynolds. See, that's the thing. That's what it would have taken to make it a really, actually good movie. It was okay, but if, it would have had to have been R. But then again, that would have been too ridiculous to even make that movie. Mm-hmm. You can't make an R-rated Pokemon movie. You could do Deadpool, because Deadpool is you could. graphic. Of course, you could, but would they let you? No. They would not. It would have currently, to be on the... I mean, would, not, not a, the current, would Pokemon currently probably let you? Not. The, would the franchise let you do it? <laughs> Yeah. And then even if they did, what about the distribution? Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. Yeah. But then again, I mean, people, I mean, the idea is that the detective Pikachu, Pikachu thing is supposed to be like a little Deadpool kind of idea, which I've never seen Deadpool, the movie, because that just seems like a stupid idea to me, because for one, I don't really give a shit about Deadpool, the character, but that was the point. You know, you have all these PG-13 movies coming out. We'll make an R-rated movie based on Deadpool because he is a crass character. You can do that, and they did all the supposedly did all the nods and all the meta stuff. But I don't. Know. I haven't seen Deadpool. Fourth you, wall breaking s- and stuff. Exactly. Have you seen Deadpool? No. Yeah. 
Have you seen Deadpool? Mm-hmm. Is it okay? I've seen them both. Them both. Recently. How, how was it? Um. Uh. Yeah, it's like you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, I think it's like stupid. It sounds like a stupid idea to me. Was it stupid? Generally, but mm-hmm. it was you know. Because to so me, entertaining. Yeah, it was enough. entertaining. Guardians. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy was entertaining. And it was smart, and it had good dialogue, no intermission. It was just a good movie all around. Guardians no intermission. <laughs> and it was I like how intermissions are driving this so conversation. Deadpool is now. like, um, you know, every. It's like pretty much every line is a punchline. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what Brian exactly is like, because before that he was. exactly what you think it is. Waiting. There's a movie that's like funny when you're high in 16 but not genuinely funny. And you have Van Wilder, mm-hmm. which is a late National Lampoon, and I should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. But, but, but as Pikachu, I mean, I, I kind of kind of like Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. That works, because he's cute, and he's little, and you expect him to say these, like, half-funny jokes. But at any rate, did any of you see Avengers Endgame? Yeah. How, no. what, did you, what did you think of that? I haven't seen it yet. I fell asleep. Fell asleep. I always fall asleep because they're so long, and there's those aerial fight scenes give me vertigo, and I'm just like my brain really? shuts down. Yeah, they really do. They bother me a lot. They had some of them in Pikachu, and it pissed me off. I was like, just stop with the fight scenes in the air. Have them on the ground. Yeah, but everybody can fly. I know that's the thing. Everybody can fly, but then it's just too much. Pikachu can fly. Oh yeah, he can. Well, Pikachu can't fly. He can jump and then use his. Uh, his, his electric blast to propel him into the air. Mm. So essentially, yes and no. Oh, he can okay. and can't fly. He can. He can. Depends like zip on around. your definition of flight. Yeah. He's he becomes aerial for a time. Like the mermaid. <laughs> Ooh. For a time. Flying mermaid. That's Flying pretty cool. Flying mermaid. Anyway. But obviously, Detective Pikachu was in a sli- also slapstick. You know. Another slapstick, but yeah, I think my final thought on the matter of slapstick is the best modern slapstick is Wet Hot American Summer. The Ridge, the original movie, it's great. And yeah, and the best, let's say the best original, like, well not original, but like 70s slapstick, let's say, 60s, 70s, probably Monty Python, Holy Grail. Oh. Classic. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, Life of Brian is funnier and better, but Monty is not as classic as Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. All right. I suppose that's it, unless anyone else has any final thoughts on slapstick as a genre. No. No. Didn't think so. Okay. They They could slap it harder. Yeah. They could okay. slap it a little bit. I mean, harder, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of slapstick films we didn't really engage with. Monty Python being one of them, any Zucker Brothers movie being one of them. So you got Naked Gun. That's really it. oh Airplane, Airplane mm-hmm. One, and Airplane Two, the sequel. You have yeah, you have all the British stuff. So Dudley Moore, the Beyond the Fringe people, and. Modern-wise, you have a lot of crap. You have all the spoof movies, scary movie, not a teen, not another teen movie, all those movies. Those are all technically slapstick. But not... But not good. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. 
And now you have these other comedies that are like these buddy comedies, like these Seth Rogen movies, which are not slapstick by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I mean, I mean, maybe about like the hey, interview of Virgin a little bit. Like, I didn't like see the, the interview. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's nods to slapstick oh, uh, another in those one, movies, uh, but they're the not disaster slapstick. movie they made. Right. That was a slapstick. Sharknado. This is the end. This is the end with slapstick, for sure. Actually, not Sharknado. I mean, that's just, I mean, slapstick is a vehicle for comedians to be actors, sort of. <clears throat> and which works with those people. I mean, but they're genuinely... Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Mm. Those are slapstick yeah. movies. Up in Smoke. Next movie. Still Smoking. I miss One Nice Dreams. Would you consider, like, uh, Ace Ventura? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would actually consider that to be slapstick. It's a fairly good example of slapstick. That's good modern slapstick, I would yeah, say. I, would I, say I thoroughly so enjoyed those. I did as well. I mean, that was like 25 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah that's point. true. <laughs> oh, God, 20, shut, maybe. Up. <laughs> shut up. I don't want to say if it was modern or not, but yeah. It was all right, but I'm just trying to think of slapstick movies today. Right. You have a lot of bad shit on Netflix, like, oh, okay, so uh, Adam Sandler. He's pretty much in the slapstick business. Yeah. I hate him. Well, yeah. Personally. He's not very likable. He doesn't make a lot of good movies or any. Well, I mean, he's been in good movies, but he doesn't. He did not make them. They had very little to do with him. Like, Punch Drunk Love is a good movie. Is it a comedy? It is not. Does that mean it's not slapstick? It's not slapstick. So that's, that, that's, so that <laughs> is the state of slapstick today. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler with his uh, his Netflix output and maybe some of these other movies, which are essentially, I mean, they're not all the kids' movies like Hotel Transylvania. They're the same thing, just animated. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, yeah, so we'll make a slapstick movie. It'll be called Meanwhile in Hollywood. And it'll be pretty good, comparatively speaking. I mean, you also have Wet Hot American Summer, the TV show, and the prequel, which is not very good. It's nothing like the original. It's nowhere near as good. But I can be comfortable wrapping this up now because we've stated the state of modern slapstick. So I'll call it there. Okay. All right. That's it. Thank you much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us talk about the magnificent men and their flying machines and the other one the pink, pink panther. panther the other one <laughs>